It's another Sunday night and another month in comedy, and that means it's time for our February Roundup with some friends of the show from the last few seasons joining us on the panel. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. an all-new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you socially distance more clearly. I'm waiting for a time when we can actually go back to having slogans from them that have something to do with live shows. But it is what it is. It is, of course, our February Roundup. And we have, I think, a fantastic cross-section on the panel today of a good example of people in sort of every corner of comedy who have really kept things afloat this entire year. We're talking independent TV series that keep on getting renewed. We're talking comedy albums that people are pumping out, live streaming shows. So let's get into it. We have some old friends who have joined us in seasons past, happier days when we had things like studios and human contact. We, of course, have out on the West Coast, Shirley Gnome. How are you doing, Shirley? I'm awake, and it's nice to be awake. <laughs> and yeah, you joined us, I think it was probably two seasons ago now, at least, plugging your previous album, but now you have a new album, Quantity Time, on 604 Records, uh, which we'll get into. We, of course, have Amanda Joy on the panel, back with another season of Second Gen. How's it going, Amanda? Good, considering it's the apocalypse. I mean, right? <laughs> considering, and again, you joined us when you when you were first launching Second Gen, and now it's been renewed again on City, and and the audience is there. And I mean, I think this is a huge part of what I wanted to get into tonight with our panel is that it's not really the industry who has kept things going this year; it's the independent content creators and producers that have really figured out a way how to work within these weird times we're living in, figuring out how to build an online audience and, and make independent festivals and stream and download albums and all this stuff. And of course, another favorite friend of the show who has joined us during the apocalypse, Lu Siciliano Rajatu. I keep on getting better at it, Joe. How you doing, buddy? You're getting better. You're getting better and better at it, man. Yes, yes. But you can call me Joe. You just call I'll me I'll call Joe. you Joe. And for you all of my Joe. fellow... Manja cakes out there and of course you are the angry sicilian and again joe you're another perfect example of somebody we like to talk to what we've been talking about so much this season is how comics have figured out a way to use these online platforms not not as a plan b but as a whole new sort of medium that i think is going to stick around and you're a great example of this because you were doing online comedy way before we ever heard as vince tedesco called it the current new C word. So the first thing I want to get into with our panel is, and I think, of course, Amanda, with with second gen being renewed, definitely this probably hits somewhat close to home for you. But I think watching Shit's Creek sweep up the Emmys this year, I think is interesting because I don't know. And I, I want to kind of pick all your brains on this. Have we kind of finally reached this a point? And maybe maybe quarantine was part of it, maybe not. But we've kind of reached this point where we stopped, I think, trying to figure out how to be so regional in Canadian comedy and, and, you know, pump everything with so much Canadiana. We've kind of figured out that, no, we could just make stuff 
for a global audience. And I mean, you look at the success of Shit's Creek, people responded on both sides of the border. Huge. I mean, the longer the show's on, it's actually getting more of an audience and finding more of its own flavor. I mean, what do you guys think? Have we kind of moved into just a global audience finally? I think we've, we've gone into not apologizing for putting authentic Canadian content out into the world. Cause I mean, before it's funny that you say like, cause we had like Canadiana where it was like, so like Canadiana. Yeah, and then yeah. we had, we're trying to be American, but we, we can't quite do it. Um, <laughs> yes. whereas now I feel like we're like, we're just going to do Canadian stuff our own way and set it in Canada and make it Canadian. And I think that like Netflix and all of these streaming uh, services where you can see shows from Australia and like England and, and stuff and where they've been unapologetic about who they are. I think that that's like given us a lot of leeway to, to do the same thing and to have audiences, you know, all around the world respond to content that's uniquely Canadian in uh, without without being a heritage moment, you know. <laughs> Totally. I mean, well, Second Gen's a perfect example. I mean, you're it's a it's a series that just happens to be set in Toronto. Why? Because that's a major global city and that's where you live and that's where the show takes place. <laughs> you can do that without being like, hey, let's go get a double double, eh? You know? It's really just, yeah, this just is where it is. I mean, of course, Joe and Shirley, I mean, you guys, same thing. Great example. I mean, Shirley, you've been pumping out albums. It's always to an online platform and, and it just, that could be downloaded by people across Canada or New Zealand. It really doesn't matter. I mean, Joe, you have, of course, you have your own following because you do sort of niche stuff, but yep. that's way beyond just being a Canadian thing. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like I, said, I, I my reach is all the way to people in Australia and, and, and Italy because I'm an ethnic comic, right? So, you know, when I can, the reach has been amazing and, and wherever it is, you, you kind of, you kind of relate to, to anywhere around the world with it, right? Comedy is comedy. Really. It's very true. I mean, surely for you, you kind of straddle both sides of things because obviously just like any stand-up, I'm sure you desperately miss performing in front of a live crowd. And on the West Coast, you guys did get to do that for a while. Yeah, it was a, a hot minute there. I for only a hot minute. myself, but yeah, it did happen. And it's true. I mean, you, so you do, of course, I'm sure you miss that element of being in that room and getting, feeding off of that reaction, especially with like, you do this musical comedy cabaret, like it's this whole sort of variety thing. It's this very much live in the moment thing, but you've also always been pumping out downloads and albums. And that's sort of where, you know, I'm sure that's kept you afloat and that's where a huge part of your audience is. One thing that I'm curious about, and I, I think it's true is Obviously, you know, a lot of the festivals went on pause this year and a lot of the clubs coast to coast had to shut down and all that. The industry sort of shrunk and went into hibernation mode in a lot of ways. So a lot of the stuff that's kept going this year in comedy, whether it is digital web series happening or albums being pumped out or, you know, independent live streaming festivals, whatever it is, it's been the performers and the content creators doing it themselves. The gatekeepers kind of haven't really been steering the ship during all this. Yeah. Hundred percent. If if you were if you were online uh, doing skit comedy or any content comedy or content creating from the beginning, this has just been a blessing because this is where everybody's turned to, right? Um, you know, my story where I started on on the the World Wide Web, you know, with social media and everything else that's led me onto my stage time in the past two years. Um, I just had to. I was concentrating on on the stage for the past two years. And I had to flip back onto my social media brain and get back into content creating. You know, it is what it is. This is where we're at right now. And 
Um, I, I noticed that a lot of guys who I, I know that have been stage comics and yeah. strictly stage comics are coming and asking for advice and how do I do the on the online stuff? Yeah. And you know what? I was doing the same two years ago when I was trying to get on stage. I was asking them for advice of, okay, give me some tips on the stage and the roles are reversed. You know, this is how our community, our comedy community kind of gets together. Right. It's totally true. And actually Joe, AKA Lu Siciliano Reggiato. I'm just going to keep saying that because now it's fun. And I'm after like two years of, of having you on the show, I'm finally getting used to it, but you've touched on something there that I definitely want to get back to after the break with our panel uh, that I think is incredibly true. And it's, we've definitely got sort of both sides of the coin and, and a lot of varying opinions on this, this season. We're going to come back with more of our February roundup right here on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Nikki Nasrallah, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to another new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Not even Canada-wide. Planet Earthwide, if you happen to have the internet. I hope for your sake that you do, because I don't know if you've noticed out there, it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a pandemic still going on. Almost a full year of that here on Inside Jokes. But again, all of our panel tonight is all about the rise of the independent content creator. I know that's not a brand new thing, but I think during this past year of quarantine and what has happened in the comedy world. It is content creators that have kept this thing afloat and not only kept things going, but reached out and found new audiences in new ways. Our panel is a perfect cross-section of that. We, of course, have Shirley Gnome out in Vancouver, here in Toronto, in front of a graffiti wall somewhere. We have Luciciliano Reggiato, a.k.a. Joe, and, of course, Amanda Joy of Second Gen on City TV. One thing that's interesting, uh, panel, that we're just kind of getting into before the break that Joe brought up is comics, you know, stage comics that obviously aren't doing festivals and don't have the gig sheet this year because most of the things aren't things right now. <laughs> Coming up to you and going, how do I get online? I think one thing that's really interesting, and we've heard a lot of this on this show this season, is, and I'm sure you all have crossed paths with these folks in your lives and comedy is those sort of stand-up purists that would always thumb their noses at everything that wasn't just stand-up on a club stage and that's it. So sketch and improv, nope, not real comedy. Musical comedy, definitely not. Online comics, not a chance. That's not a thing. So yeah, it's interesting. It's been a big switch. It's been a big it, switch. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I think we've seen this sort of... I don't know what you would change in opinion, change in stance, open-mindedness because comics who, who aren't going out and hitting the road and touring right now and who aren't doing the festivals and all that stuff are going, there's something to be said for this. There's a different audience to be had there. This is just sort of another tool in the arsenal, another way to reach people. I mean, surely you're sort of a great example of this because you sort of, you're always spinning different plates because you're in the music world. 
you are in the stand-up world, you are in sort of the sketch, like you sort of travel in and out of all those spaces. And of course, all of these live shows have been impacted by that. Have you sort of come across that before where comics are like, okay, it's funny, but it's not really the same. Oh, yeah. Comics, audiences, like, it's all context. <laughs> it's entirely context-based, you know, because I have this experience of performing at so many different types of shows. Yeah. Um, where people have so many different types of expectations. And it's just about how, you know, me having this sort of cabaret-style act that's um, multidisciplinary, how I fit into that. And in terms of, like, clubs and stand-up, oh, boy. You know, people go to clubs expecting, you know, someone with a microphone to yell at them in a funny way for an hour and a half. Like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what they're thinking. So they see the guitar... They go, uh-oh, I don't know if I like this just because I wasn't expecting it. True. Totally so, true. Yeah, so that's a thing. And, yeah, and now adaptability seems to be everybody's game. Or I've been maybe more accustomed to it because I've always got to sort of go, how do I fit into this and how do I address that to build some goodwill? That's kind of transferred over a little bit into the into the world that we're living in now. It's totally true. I mean, we... Vince and I have had so many comics that are old friends of the show that we've had on this past year. Comics who have been just, you know, club comics and old school road dogs, let's say, for like 20, 25 years, all of a sudden they're going, oh, this is great. I can just do this and reach out to a whole completely new... And these are... A lot of these audiences are people who probably would not have gone out and seen them at a club because that's not their... Now it's like a new... A whole new audience for them entirely. It's like It's like an entirely new thing. For everybody out there, it's totally true. I think another, I think another thing that we're seeing happening right now too. Actually, there's Vince pointed out, our producer Vince pointed out, there's this new Comedy Central documentary about Patrice O'Neill, and about how, of course, the late great Patrice O'Neill, and about how so much of his comedy just stemmed from being sort of as real and as personal as possible. I think the three of you are very good, interesting examples of. I mean, Amanda, of course, you have an entire TV series that is completely based around personal experience and your background and your experience of who you are. Joe, when you're on stage, obviously you're this very sort of cartoon version of yourself. You're a very like amped up sort of archetype version of yourself. Yep. Surely you do songs that are completely off the wall. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like you completely jump into this thing. You made a great point, actually. It's totally true. I mean, I've seen it happen. I think I've been one of those audience members. I remember at JFL years ago, I was in one of those like top 10 variety comics to watch shows. Yeah. Bridget Everett comes on. Yeah. I didn't know Bridget Everett. I figured out later the, the, what her writing credits were, but as a performer, I had no idea. And music comes on and it's like this like really ribald like cabaret show. And I thought, Oh, this isn't the same as the rest of the absolutely annihilate to this day. One of my favorite live performances I've ever seen. I have consistently gone out of my way to watch Bridget Everett every time she's been in Montreal or in Toronto back when live festivals were still a thing. So people really do have that perception at first of like, oh, this is different. I don't know. I'm not sure. Wait a minute. What is this? <laughs> I'm going to put my judgmental hat on for the first 10 minutes and then very slowly take it off if they're good enough. That's right. There's those people who still want live comedy to just be an angry dude going, I'm going to say stuff that no one else has the guts to say. <laughs> I, I love thoughts on the government. I'd like to show you. You've never heard. 
I love the swanky accents you're giving to these patrons of the comedy club. They sound like the rich people on The <laughs> Simpsons. Yeah. It's like it's like you're performing in Road to Avonlea, but that's too Canadian. That's way too, too Canadian. Canadian. A part of our heritage. Pull it back. <laughs> do you guys think there is such a thing? Because all three of you really do. I mean, your formats are completely different, obviously. We're talking comedy music and live cabaret shows online comedy and of course television sitcom a tv series but do you think there is such a thing as being sort of injecting too much of yourself into what you're putting out there and being sort of too real and too personal as long as it's something that other people can relate to yeah i mean <laughs> i feel like there are there are universal truths that we that we experience and and you know as i think when you're it's only you then that can become self-indulgent. But when you're giving people something to relate to that you know that they probably experience too, then that's when it's fun. That's my opinion. <laughs> I totally think. I mean, okay. Amanda, you and Joe kind of have a similar thing going on in a way that you're putting out content and you're putting out comedy that is completely based around your background, your experiences, your upbringing. And this huge audience came in because they were they're watching this stuff and they're going, oh, that's me. That's, yeah. right. that's, that's where I that's grew up. And, that, and that's uh, and she uh, Amanda touched like, a great point. Relatable comedy, I think, is the most fun to watch because you can place yourself in that situation. I think um, relatable comedy touches everyone in any ethnic background, whether whether you're Italian, Portuguese, uh, whatever it is, right? So, it, it, like, I make fun of the way I grew up as an Italian and my surroundings in in, in Toronto. Uh, being living in, in a very predominant Italian neighborhood and then having, you know, Portuguese around me and whatever else. And, and then growing up in that situation and making it very relatable. That's why I think people are coming from everywhere saying, Hey, I can relate to this. And this is darn funny because I lived through it as well. Right. So it's, it's true. And I think, I, I mean, if you look at and pre COVID of course, but really just in the last few years. And I think, festivals and networks in the industry sort of started to catch on to this finally and catch up to it. But if you look at what comedy looks like in the last few years, it's a way more of a cross section of everybody. Cause we all grew up with decades of, it was basically five guys with Reeboks and they all might, you know, play poker with your dad on the weekend. And that's what comedy looked like. And now it's complete like festivals and, and, and series like second gen and all this stuff that's been happening in the last few years looks more like people that are around you right now. It looks more like real life. It looks like a cross section of everybody. And when you do that, and when you have that new stuff to say and bring those new voices out there, there's all of a sudden you, the audience has just quadrupled because there's a bunch of people that were just sort of off to the sidelines going, well, this doesn't really apply to me. Now they're flocking to it and going, yes. Okay. I know what this is. I can relate. Exactly. I think for Shirley, you do, uh, here's the one thing I'm curious about. Obviously, yes, all the live shows have sort of gone on pause lately. You've always addressed something that I always found, and more so from a stand-up thing, I guess, but I've, I saw so many female comics, anytime they would try to address sex or sexuality, it was either just pushed away, and I'm watching you high roll on Zoom <laughs> right now. It was either just like pushed aside or the reaction to it was so lecherous where it was like, oh, yeah, okay, she's talking about this. All bets are off. You just sort of tackle this stuff in a very, no, this is I'm being honest and wide open about this stuff. And 
absurd with it in a way that I think not a lot of people, especially in Canadian comedy, had really done before. Yeah. Well, how about that? Why am I like this? I, no <laughs> I just sort of came. I like got dropped on my head as a baby and lost the shame part of my brain or something. But I, I feel like it was a superpower when I started, you know, you know, it's an expression of my personality wanting to talk about these things without shame and without it being weird because these, you know, sexuality is such a relatable experience. And yet in our culture, it's so weirdly taboo and still kind of political yeah. where we can't talk about it. And I, and then of course you add uh, being a woman on top of that. It adds this completely other um, cultural spin on how you're perceived about talking about that. And it's been a journey. <laughs> you know, because I've been doing, uh, I mean, I've diversified a bit in terms of content. I always like to come from places of very, like, but almost, like, different arousal states, because anger comes from the same place, you know? <laughs> yeah. Primal and human. Um, if, if we have fantasies about all sorts of things outside of sex as well that we don't want to necessarily talk about, because we're like, Are, am I normal? Like, that's such a thing. So... There's so much content there, and there's so much to be said, and uh, and the thing I always hear the most is like, "Wow, I was thinking that," or "I can't believe you said that out loud," or "This is yeah. this is me." Like it is that very like, you just need one person to have the <laughs> whatever it is to say it in public. Here I am. <laughs> and you do come at it with because I mean I've been at I don't know how many shows over the years where. Yes, a comic, a female comic would get on stage and start addressing those things and people either shied away from it or there was like those dudes in the crowd that all their brain started doing right away was like, oh, this means I can hit on them after the show. That's, oh, yeah. You know, I had to put a whole thing into my show yeah. to address that problem and it solved the problem um, very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not I trying to pick you up, room full of 90 people. Yeah, exactly. You can actually enjoy sex without that being a thing that means I'm going to have sex with all of you. I'm going to put it on my market table. Yeah. Does it ever get weird if, like, family comes to see your show? You know, I thought it would. Oh. I think it's so funny, and they know. They get it. They don't – they they get <laughs> what I'm doing is a, is a show, and, uh, and that is the magic of performance. And art and comedy is that I, I, that my family can come to shows and be like, we just want you to be happy, dear. Woo! <laughs> it is true. I would love to imagine that first time where you brought them out and you're like, so. So I'm doing this thing now. <laughs> With like no setup whatsoever. Uh, all right, we're going to go to break. To our dear friends at Hikim Optical, and we're going to come back with more of our February Roundup panel right here on Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yo, yo, hey, this is little Darren Frost, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. I'm coming for you. I think I can solve it. I can be your all, ain't no problem, baby. 
Welcome back to another all-new Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you see live shows more clearly two years from now when that's a thing again, damn it. Anyways, it is our February roundup. We have a whole panel coast to coast covering the gambit of what's been going on in comedy this year. We're talking comedy albums, network series, live streaming comedy, all of the above, all the stuff that has kept things moving this entire past year and certainly the last season on this show. Back on our panel, we have Shirley Gnome in Vancouver. And here in Toronto, we have Amanda Joy of Second Gen, which, of course, new season on City TV. And our good friend, Lu Siciliano Reggetto. It gets more animated every time, a.k.a. Joe. That was perfect. Right? That was perfect, man. It'll take me like two years, and then I'm good. <laughs> wow. By the time this show finally gets canceled, I'll have it nailed, Joe. I'll have oh, it yeah, nailed. for sure. You'll get it, man. You'll I'll get have it. it perfect. Uh, but we were talking before the break with our panel about sort of things that you can address in comedy and whether it's possible to sort of be too real. I think the other side of that coin that I think the three of you cover a fantastic scope of this and it definitely applies to right now is I think the last few years in comedy, there's sort of been this tendency to think that everything sort of has to have a message attached to it. We've been slowly turning, especially in stand-up, a lot of things have sort of become sort of Ted talky. And I think the work that the three of you do in very different formats and in very different avenues goes back to sort of what comedy is all about. It's about making you step back and be able to laugh at the stuff that we all sort of think about or have experience and nobody's talking about and actually bring these things to the surface, but do it in a way that we can actually address it and go, yeah, let's take the power out of that. Let's laugh at that. But I'm, I'm curious what the three of you think, you know, cause there's sort of that adage that comedy is born out of like, world events and tumultuous times and all that stuff obviously the past year has been ripe with many of those things great art can come out of that great comedy can come out of that but the three of you i mean do you think sort of what we need the most right now is just kind of escapism again we can't go sit in a comedy club for 90 minutes we can't go sit in a movie theater so do you think what we really need right now we've been stuck in this horrible news cycle and facebook and all this this entire garbage fire do we just need to be able to step back and laugh again well, I may be biased, but <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, the world needs comedy. Go go support comics. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and a completely unbiased. No, that's 100%. True statement right there. <laughs> I think it is true because, I mean, I guess because the three of you do tackle stuff that is sort of social topics and everyday life and various backgrounds based on where all you come from none of the three of you though are particularly political you're just talking about real life everyday things and situations that people might come across or think of that nobody really talks about and that's what kind of comes out in your work whether it's a sort of over-the-top exaggerated way or just a hilarious absurd kind of distracting way or just a real like yeah here's here's a slice of life kind of a thing well, yeah, one would argue that from a global perspective, if a woman gets on stage, it's a political act, you know, from a global <laughs> Funny you say that, though, because I think that in many ways, you just get up and, and you do your thing and you talk about, you know, stuff from your life and what's funny to you and what you experience, and other people will put politics on you, like, depending on, yeah. on what they see in it, you know? They'll be like, this is political, and like, this is my life, I guess my life's political then. 
it's true and i mean I, I think the three of you especially i mean surely you're still writing and recording songs and putting albums out i mean amanda you have still a new season of a tv series coming out joe you have a live streaming gala coming out a lot of comics that have been sort of just in in on pause this entire past year because they went well the clubs aren't there and the festivals aren't there i'm just gonna wait i think some people are gonna have a tough time after all this coming back and going what did i generate what do i have to talk about now because you're not out where we've all had kind of this same shared experience like i wear a mask and avoid people on the sidewalk i'm scared of humans now let's line up at no frills that's kind of been everyone's life for like that's that's what i'm talking about dean so so you're looking at how I hear on the news every day, uh, uh, you know, the C word, COVID, 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 line and line, line yeah. up, mask, mask, mask. The last thing somebody wants to do is come to a comedy show or see a, li- a live stream comedy show. And guess what? Want to hear about wearing masks, being stuck at home, being in the lockdown. So yeah. you know what? Give them something else. You can find the funny in anything, yeah. but it doesn't have to harp on what I've been listening to for the past year. People <laughs> go, people go to escape. People go to a go to a, a, a comedy club or, or go online and look for comedy yeah. to escape what's going on. So why give them more of what they're listening to? Let them escape. You know it's what I mean? Totally, it's totally true. Look at me. I dress up as my mother. I'll dress up as my dad or my grandmother or whatever, and I'll make you you know think back to twenty five years ago how how you grew up. And how messed up we are, but I'm not making you think about that you're going to have to go wait in a two-hour lineup and wear a mask and talk about vaccines and talk about the, it's a comedy should be an escape. Totally. And I think uh, also, I mean, the three of you are great examples of a lot of people in comedy this entire past year went, well, there's no open mic, so I can't work on new stuff. So that's it. Uh, Whereas the three of you. You're in the home gym. You're staying sharp. You're pumping out content. You're you're writing. You're do, you're putting stuff out into the internet. You're keeping an audience. You're building a new audience. Where a lot of people just sort of, after a year from now, they're going to be like, "Oh, I just sort of stopped <laughs> the entire time." I love I love how you said the gym. How I used to consider the clubs and going to the to the to the mainstream guys saying, "Oh man, I want to be in the gym just like you." You know, I'm being the gym. I'm on the stage and, and yeah. not coming to me saying. You know, sorry, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. You're 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 on stage. You're on stage. You know, what I mean, you're doing your thing online. You're still at the gym. You're still working at it. You're still going. You're still putting out content, right? And and that's, I I hate to use that. I've been using it for either pause or you pivot. And I think right now you need to pivot. That's right. From from the norm. Absolutely true. See, a comedy gym. I meant comedy gym. Listeners at home, if you saw what I look like on Zoom, no real gyms. Involved for me, anyways. Yeah. Just comedy, Jim. Vince and I have been doing this show for a year. We basically both look like the Unabomber at this point. But, anyways, we're going to come back. Hell? What? <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what we look like. Uh, speaking of our panel and what everybody's been up to, we're going to come back and find out what they've been putting out into the world, where you can find their stuff, and keep supporting as amanda joy said keep supporting comedy that's our panel we'll be back with more inside jokes right here on global news radio 640 toronto 640 oh look at you
Hey, this is Nitesh Takuja, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Don't stop listening. Inside Jokes, baby! I slowed it down for that one. Brought to you, of course, by Hakeem Optical. Helping Why buy a mattress you. anywhere else? Why buy a mattress anywhere else? <laughs> Hakeem Optical. Helping you avoid human contact at all costs. More clearly. How about that? <laughs> by COVID-4, we'll have the perfect Hakeem Optical. Okay, they're not listening. Don't worry. It's good. It's good. They're not listening. Uh, it is, of course, our February roundup, our February panel, which, I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've, we've sort of talked to people in comedy all over North America, all over the planet this year, really, and the stuff that people have been pumping out into the universe, the content that people have been putting out, and just interesting ways that people have dealt with quarantine, dealt with the ups and downs of the comedy world. Everyone from Jim Gaffigan at the beginning of the season going, yeah, I did a Zoom and it was weird and uncomfortable, to John Hastings performing on America's Got Talent in front of zero audience, uh, which was more awkward than watching uh, J-Lo in Times Square in front of a bunch of those inflatable things from a used car lot. But anyways, it hasn't been all downs in comedy this year. No, there's no live clubs, but we have comics who are still putting out network series and new albums and live festivals and live streaming. And I think even when things do open up again, we're still going to have a lot of this. It's just going to be sort of part of the package so we'll go across our panel find out what everybody's been up to what they have coming up uh first off joe aka the angry sicilian i'll manja cake it this time for our that's listeners. okay that's good uh of course you before covid you all already had an online following that was already your platform and you sort of went back and forth between that and live shows you have a live stream show coming up in fact yeah march march the 6th i got a live stream interactive very first live stream interactive show uh, coming up uh, March the 6th uh, with some uh, fellow comics from New York City uh, with a uh, little Rocco and, and little Mo Mozzarella and a local Canadian guy, uh, Rob Ayani. It's, a, it's an interactive um, live stream show. I know a lot of comics have been doing Zoom and, and kind of having this platform where we just see each other. But this is a first fully produced uh, interactive com- uh, uh, comedy show where uh, I can you can buy tables and I can visit tables and I can interact with the crowd and yeah and it's 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 a it's a great great brand new for me being on on a, on a live stream comedy show and not having that interaction I was you know weary about it but they assured me that this interactive part of it is going to be almost as being uh, being in a club so I'm super excited and super uh, um, raring for that one. And obviously, I got what's going on online. Uh, my uh, my uh, daily and weekly comedy uh, skits happening uh, on on my Instagram and Facebook page. That's where you can find all my good stuff. But yeah, I'm super excited about that March sixth show. Tickets are available on my website, and uh, you can uh, come out and have a good laugh. There we go, Lu Siciliano Rajatu. Everybody, check that out, March sixth. I love the honest plug, by the way. It was like, please watch. I was scared to do this. I love that. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm petrified. I've never done this before, man. It's like, it. you know what? I'm, I'm being honest with you. This is like stepping on this stage the very first time I did so four years ago. There we go. I love it. I, and that's why it's going to have that good energy to it because you aren't going yeah. in there going, ah, I don't care. I got this. Uh, we also have Amanda Joy, second gen, new season on Omni. 
which is physically, physically in the same building, perhaps as City TV, but not in fact that <laughs> channel. So Amanda, where of course, so people can check this out. Where where can people find your stuff in general? Yeah, so uh, season three, you can watch Sundays at 8.30 on Omni, and uh, you can also watch it at omnitv.ca. All right. And of course, Shirley Gnome out in Vancouver. Brand new album yet again. Where can people find this, Shirley? They can find it on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) But to be specific, as the internet is a large place, uh, you can... Uh, find it on all the streaming platforms. Uh, really, I don't think. Apparently, I'm even on title. What the hell? How did I get oh on there? I don't. I don't even know. So, um, it's on all of those. And um, and uh, if you want to just find links to it, you can follow me on social media at Shirley Gnome G N O M E, like a garden gnome. I'm on all of the things. Nobody has the same name as me. It was quite easy to get that handle. There you oh, go. I should give my social media too. <laughs> I didn't know you were. Oh, yes. What's yours, Amanda? Well, as a person person of this generation living in this time, yes, I do have social media. It's uh, (laughs) at not Amanda Joy. That's again, at not Amanda Joy, because Amanda Joy was taken and they were like, you cannot use that. There we go. And of course, Shirley, I didn't know that you were part of Tidal. Were you in that whole press conference that was part of like, it looked like the super friends up there with like Dead Mouse and Kanye and everybody? I wish. No, I was just at home watching it with my pants off like everybody else. <laughs> there we go. And actually, I wanted to give a shout out to, speaking of Shirley Gnome's new album, Quantity Time, shout out to our friends on the West Coast at 604 Records and Comedy Here Often, who, I mean, these past couple of years have been just pumping out the albums, which, of course, this past year during the quarantine has been perfect. We've had so much new content come from them and so much stuff for our audience to download and listen to at home. That is our panel. Thank you so much. Check out Second Gen on Omni. Get Shirley Gnome's new album. Watch The Angry Sicilian and Friends live streaming March 6th. And don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the beginning on Global News Online. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Shirley Gnome. It's 2020. And the world is falling apart. Everything has come to a halt. We were always so busy. But now we have some time. And there's no one better. Than the one you love. To be trapped in an apocalyptic hellscape with. Mm -hmm. I found a new hobby. It's finding fault with everything that you say. Everything I say. You sound like No, I do not Let's argue